to another episode of the Bowfinger Minute Podcast, where each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1999 Frank Oz-directed and Steve Martin-written Bowfinger, the comedy that we break down one minute of screen time per episode. And as we've been doing all week long, this has been a co-host duty. I'll introduce myself. I'm Alan Sanders, and joining me once again, my good friend from not just across the pond, but across the desert. Welcome, my friend. This is Rob from Movie Rob. Thank you for having me on again, Alan. It was so kind of you to to invite me back on. It was so kind of me to invite myself on with you. <laughs> <laughs> nah. So for those, I know we talked about. It, I think we did earlier in the week, but uh, Rob has been very generous. I somehow missed the 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 memo when the call goes out for all the teams of Movies by Minutes podcasters. To, to be part of this annual collaborative project. It's, it's really cool. Uh, can you get a smorgasbord sampling of all the different styles and voices and techniques for everybody all working on one week of a, of a shared movie? And I missed it somehow. I reached out to Jim O'Kane, who was the grand poobah of the Movies by Minutes organization, and he's the one who coordinates the film. And I got to be honest, Rob, I, I don't know how I missed it. I reached out to Jim, and he said, oh, we've already assigned everything. And I went, oh, well, put me on the backup in case somebody drops out. Because it's almost always, sometimes, not through any, you know, any bad reason or anything. People are busy. To... It happens. You know, so life happens. Yeah. yeah, life happens. Life gets in the way. So I'm like, just put me on backup. And uh, I think I mentioned it to you in passing. Like, I can't believe. And you're like, well, you want to do it with me? I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to take your weeks. You you paid attention to your email. You went and got in. So that's the last thing I wanted to do. Nah, that was fine. Like again, you know, we we don't do these on our own. And as you know, I don't have a you know uh, a steady partner that I always do these things with. So you know, for me, I'm willing to do it with anybody who who I know that I have great chemistry with. And why not? You know, when when I heard that when when you told me about what happened, I, I didn't even think for more than a, a second before I offered it to you. You know, it's fine. That's you. You and I get along great. Uh, hopefully, we haven't been driving people crazy all week with with <laughs> with our uh, you know conversations and with our you know with with our tangents. You know, I, I, I know Jim likes a little bit of tangents, but I we, we you and I like to take it to the extreme. But that that's fine. I you know I don't, I don't mind. It's fun. The trails are fine as long as you remember where the road is and get back on it at some point. Which we do. You know, I think we. I, I I I always do that on my show. I do that also. I know how to get back to the point where I was, you know. So I I don't have a problem with that at all. 
Well, let's remind everybody where we last left off and what we're going to cover in this uh, Friday minute, minute number 25 of Bowfinger. We last left off with uh, two actors auditioning in an embrace. Not many lines being uttered. Uh, It should be a pretty easy casting choice if all you're looking for is a good kiss. And we will end with Daisy walking in. Is this where I become a movie star? So once again, Rob, and my background being in theater and film and having been on movie sets, we're now getting yet another kind of behind the scenes, your typical kind of casting. And I will tell you that other than the fact that you're in a more intimate setting because it's set up Someone's as a living room. <laughs> you know, all the red flags we talked about yeah, earlier we, in the week. We talked about that yesterday. I think it was yesterday. We talked about you you don't go to <laughs> to a casting call in someone's living room. Or in so their hotel room or anything like that. But there are, you know, you've got different people here. They're sitting there. One guy's got the script open, more than likely to be able to give out a line if necessary, see how close they followed the lines if they had them memorized. Obviously, Steve Martin playing more of the casting director. Um, so this is actually how a lot of the cold auditions do work. Now, normally you'd film them because if you're going to have a movie – they're not doing a, a stage play. Normally you want to film the actors, which I think is interesting. They choose not to put a camera here because a lot of times. Well, they don't have the money. Well, no, like they don't have the money, but you would still probably set something up even if you didn't have film in it. Because and, and I had a chance to do this. The difference between casting stage versus film. We did a, 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 a large project once upon a time, and I had three or four actors that I had kind of earmarked as, wow, they were really good in, in person. And a couple of them I went. You know, they had a good look. They just felt so blah in person. We went back and watched them on camera. A couple of the blah people on camera translated to very intense, very focused. The camera caught that because it was so close to their face, and they kind of acted very tight, very within, where I'm used to seeing bigger on stage. And the bigger people, which looked fine on you know in person, on camera looked too big. Oh, wow. So, Always film because that's the medium that you're going to eventually be, you know, showing the audience. And then, and then later on, when you when you put out a, you know, like a Blu-ray DVD set, you can show, you know, the 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 actual uh, original, you know, casting calls. I mean, come on, who who can forget? Who can forget? You know, all the ones they have for for the original Superman movie or for Star Wars. You know, the fact Star- that they have all that stuff on tape is just great. No question about that. So beyond that, this is actually what you would expect. Um, now, we did talk a little bit about, you know, getting your lines, having your sides. You normally don't bring an audition piece, but that's fine. We, we talked about that yesterday. But um, at some point. But for Chubby you, Rain, you do. <laughs> this, this actress, I don't know what piece she brought, but obviously we're still in a very long, intimate kiss. <laughs> and I think that's where we, we start off. And it looks as though... Um, well, Steve Martin looks a little uncomfortable. Like uh, Steve Martin looks bored. He looks he, he looks bored. Yeah, and well, and uh, Ephraim, or I think that's his name, if Ephraim, Ephraim, something like that, looks he 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 he's trying to seem as professional as possible by the way that he's just looking at. You know, he has the script open in front of him. You know, on a clipboard, he's got a pen in his hand, and he's looking, trying to seem as professional as possible, watching uh, Slater and uh, this. And Nadia from 24, uh, just making out. <laughs> right. Just be careful did, of Jack Bauer. I did. I commented on this yesterday, but since it ends here, when they finally break the kiss about three or four seconds in, 
there's we still have not heard a word. We have no idea what they were auditioning, what was happening. It just looks like all it was for the audition is can they kiss each other effectively on screen? Maybe maybe that's what they're looking for. You know, could very well be. But, I think it's interesting you said about Steve Martin with the looking bored because to me it almost looked like uncomfortable, like that's it. But maybe you're onto something as we move a little deeper in the minute. We'll get to maybe he was bored. Maybe she didn't have it. Right, that's true. I mean, I like the fact that then the, the shot changes and we see the back of uh, we we see it from behind, so we see both both uh, you know Bowfinger and Ifram from behind as you know the Nadia and Slater break away from one another and then you can see that they're you know that they're sitting on these you know director's chairs and he has his full name there this is the first time we actually hear his full name where's robert k bowfinger you know right not bobby and uh not just bowfinger but you know the last name but we get to see and in fairly ornate script as well yes yes i mean do, do you know the history of like director's chairs and stuff like that I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I'm about to find out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you are correct. So it is a lightweight folding chair that folds side to side with a scissors action. And the seat and back are made of canvas or some other type of strong fabric, which is able to bear the user's full weight and then can be folded. The frame is usually made of wood or sometimes metal or plastic. The seat and scissors uh, work together to support and distribute the the sitter's weight so that the seat is comfortably taut the entire time. The back is usually low and the chair usually has armrests. The stereotypical image of a movie director on location includes one of these chairs, hence the name. All right, it's uh, it's it's considered that it's a simple and ideally suited chair, and that's why it works. It's supposed to, you know, something you can easily transport between uh, places it uh, when it was first introduced in 1892 right it actually won an award for the excellence in casual furniture design uh, and this was before the uh, they, they were having the world's fair in Chicago the following year and they actually still make the exact same type of chairs the director's chairs these gold metal director's chairs um, you know, and it's now been 130 years since then. Yeah. So I will tell you, they're very I never find them comfortable. I don't find them comfortable. <laughs> I don't. I it's... <laughs> because because with the with the canvas for the and maybe it's the better because there are cheaper ones and more expensive. But the, I used to have one. Uh, got one at a, um, a a store that was designed to have a lot of this kind of uh, utilitarian. Uh, almost Ikea-like furniture, and they they sold director's chairs. And I had it as my kind of computer chair for a long time because it was pretty comfortable. The canvas never seemed like it was too stretchy. It seemed like it had just enough support that I, I was able to sit there for hours in front of my computer. I never minded. I, as opposed to a hard-seated plastic chair like the kind you see at weddings or um, you know any kind of gatherings where they just they rent the little folding hard plastic chairs i'd prefer the director's chair. right okay Th that that's for sure i just i i prefer like an office chair <laughs> that's more comfortable. a five six hundred dollar office chair on the set that's fine although being able to snap it together quickly pick it up and you have well the director's not doing this but the ca the crew right. being able to pick it pull it up and set it up very quickly is also part of the reason i think they're they're so popular yeah i think so too they're they're very portable i did notice and i you know i know a lot of 
houses have sort of like these little landings, very small tiers, but it's almost like it's a mini stage mm-hmm. the way they've got it yeah. just about a, six inches off from where they're seated. And I kind of like that, not only from the perspective of their auditioning, but it does give them a chance that they're looking up at them and the camera angle from behind captures that really well. Right. But it's also weird that he has a mirror on the wall there. You know, it, it looks like the type of place that someone would go to be, I don't know, like a dressing room, it looks like. Oh, yeah. Although it does make it look like well, the room is, is bigger. Mirror? Yeah. Now, does it make the room bigger? Is that a. OK, so this is where I got to learn my architecture of the room. Or is that a door with glass in it? And they've just got it closed because it's an entryway to go out. Because usually you have a landing on an entrance or an exit to a room. Well, when she leaves uh, a little bit later in this minute, she leaves to the other end of the of the room. Right. It doesn't right. mean that there's in the second door. But I, I don't recall that anyone using that as a door. But it does look like a doorway also. It's possible. You're right. It's so hard to tell because obviously they're going to do a good job making sure we don't get any reflection. Because you don't want to see the camera and the crew. <laughs> right. But – um, no, it, it very well may be a mirror as well, just kind of in an archway. Either way, the fact that they've got this, because there is another little, and you can see she steps up when she goes to leave, so it's got another landing. So it almost made me think that that was a back door versus the front door. You know what? It is a back door, because if you look a little bit later, it there's no reflection in it. At like, at like second 15 or 16, when you can see it, there's no reflection in it. Actually, it looks like someone is, actually, it's even weirder. It looks like someone's in the built in the in. It looks like there's a ghost with with red eyes looking through the the window. Yeah, behind him. So okay, uh-huh. I, so it's not a mirror. <laughs> no, but I can see where you would see that because it looked very reflective. It very looked very reflective at the beginning there. Yeah, but I I and and the window the glass is actually reflecting because it you can pick up the light that they're using for quote the stage is reflecting in the top of the window. But you're right, right there is kind of a silhouette. With a couple of other lights that look like almost like you said glowing eyes. Yeah, it uh, it, it right? actually looks like someone wearing like a a dunce cap, you know, like a cone head or something like that, you know, with with glowing eyes. It, it, you know, like the ghosts in uh, in Casper. You know? huh. <laughs> or it's a it's a thin a thin uh, Jawa. No, actually, oh, very there there you go. It's it's actually you can see that it's it's the two uh, yellow lights. That are yeah. on the that are on the wall. It's just that's what's reflecting yeah. there. But it but it does look like you're right. It does look like a Jawa. Also, that's right. <laughs> There's gonna be people who are like, "What are they talking about?" <laughs> go to go to second fifth, yeah, fifteen or sixteen, and you can see what we're talking about. Yeah, if um, you're confused. If you, yeah, just pause it. It's the, it's just after the uh, woman leaves, and uh, he's getting ready to go talk to uh, his other actor. To I'm um, sorry, Slater. 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 Yeah, talking to Slater. Jack Slater. <laughs> um, you'll see it very, very clearly. You, you, you know it. that we talked about that earlier this week about Slater, and you, you you gave me the itch to go rewatch the the movie, so I did rewatch it. <laughs> Last action hero. I'm telling you, I've never heard the names. Well, besides Christian Slater, the actor that you brought up, right? It just made me think the whole time that it was a call out to John McTiernan. It could be, uh, and that's fine. It was that, that's, it was so much fun rewatching it. So I need so to go thank you for bringing it. that up. You know, sure. Um, obviously Steve Martin, getting back to the script after, uh, Afrim is, uh, or Afrim is, uh, escorting her out. He's smiling and we get, I think every one of our minutes, we have, uh, Steve Martin being truthful and, and lying at the same time. Yes. Like, you know, he's that's, doing his best. That's Bowfinger for you. Yeah. That's Bowfinger. You know, um, she's like, you hated it. She's like, no, no, 
you 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 were good, <laughs> you know. And he's just looking at her, and the second the door closed, we don't even see it. We just boom, he drops her headshot. Not even not even looking at a trash can, just on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> not happy at all. No, he, he's and disappointed. He hasn't found his leading lady. Now this is something interesting. How long do you think Slater and Bowfinger have been working together? I would say they've been working together for years. So why does he look surprised that Bowfinger dropped the the headshot and after saying, oh, no, you were good. And he's like, wait a minute. You said she was good. Because um, I think I think that Slater is thinking more about that. She was a good kisser as opposed to he wasn't looking at the acting aspects of it. OK, but OK, let's let's play that out. But. We get a serious moment from Bowfinger, which is absolutely true for casting somebody on film. Yes. Because we're going to get what his version of, we don't want someone good. We want somebody that's great. We want somebody that's so amazing. You can't take your eyes off of them. Yeah, sure. But I, I like the way that he describes her. Did, did you remember, did you catch how he described her personality? He says she has the personality of a Kansas zip code. Of a, of, a, of a Kansas zip code. Just nothing to see here. <laughs> do, do you know how many zip codes there are in Kansas? Once again, I'm getting this tingle that I'm about to find out. <laughs> no, there, Rob. How many zip codes <laughs> are there in Kansas? There are 697 active zip codes in Kansas. Um, do, do you know how many zip codes there are throughout the entire U.S.? No, I don't. 42,000. That's it's uh, a lot of zip codes. Okay, and just just to give you a, 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 a way of gauging, so if if Kansas City has six hundred ninety seven, all right, how many do you think Georgia has? Because you're uh, from Georgia, that's why I'm, I'm mentioning it just for people who don't know. So I was thinking that that's a pretty big number for a sparse state, but they may subdivide it so that way you don't have postmen on the road for you know hundreds of miles on their route. But I would guess Georgia's got to be a similar number, maybe like 650, 700. It's 699. You were right. There no, 699. Yes. Not quite 700. <laughs> All right. I, I gave it to you. I didn't say that you were wrong. Okay. All right. Now, you and I are both from Michigan. So how many do you think Michigan has? Don't worry. We're not going to go through all 50 states. <laughs> Play that game for our listening audience. <laughs> yeah. Play along at home. We'll give you three seconds before we answer. <laughs> Uh, you got to remember the Mich Michigan, for you folks who aren't very familiar with the geography of the United States, has a lower and upper peninsula. And Lansing, Ann Arbor, and, of course, Detroit are really densely populated. And uh, Sault Ste. Marie is not. Uh, Mackinac yeah. Island. <laughs> We're just almost 700. I'm going to say Michigan's probably more, but not by too much. Maybe 900, 950? Wow. I'll go with wow. You're great. Nine seventy nine. No, you're, again, you're 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 in the right uh, area. And uh, the 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 final one that I'm going to test you on is California. How many how many do you think they have in California? That's uh, the biggest, most populous state in the union. Yes. It's got the most electoral, so that means for every one of the that's a seven hundred thousand Congress. Uh. 1600 1741 Ooh, i was more off on that one yeah okay that, that that that's fine you know it's all it's all do you, now do you know when they started the idea of zip codes 
or of postal codes, excuse me, postal zones. That's what they were called. Why do I? When did the when I, did the post office first institute them? I remember I was a kid when they changed the states from four letter abbreviations to two, but they had zip codes at the time. So was it the sixties? Okay, so the first implemented postal codes in nineteen forty three. Mm-hmm. Because during World War II, a lot uh, there were thousands of experienced uh, postal workers who had to leave to go serve abroad. So they wanted to uh-huh. make it easier for the the new people to to find places. So what they did was is that they decided they they took 124 cities and uh, began giving zoning addresses in all of them, so that the employees would be able to separate them much easier. Because it wasn't you know the type of thing that that. Uh, you know, you had your own personal uh, postal worker who knew, okay, uh, you know, Alan Sanders lives here and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that way. In 1963, uh, because they, they started using computers at the time and they were getting mass amounts of, of mail, I was just about to say email, there were mass amounts of mail <laughs> that was being sent, uh, you know, bills, bank deposits, advertising, magazines, mortgage bills, payments, uh, social security checks, a whole bunch of other things like that. And so the volume of mail just sky skyrocketed. So they decided to to change the system to be even more efficient. And what they did was is they created a zip code. Did you know that zip stands for something? I never knew that. I never even thought about it. Oh, see, now that you said it, it's triggering something. Um, zone in postal? Very close. Zoning improvement plan. Oh, in plan. Okay. Right, and I that was that was launched launched on July first, nineteen sixty three. Well, I guess the right year when the official zip yes. code. Yes, you're right. You're right. You you are you are correct about that. Now, the the zip code actually also ha- there there's something behind the way that the numbers are made up. The numbers are not just random. Okay, so each zip code at today is a little different, but when they started, they were five digits long. Okay, and each of these uh, digits means something. So the first digit is assigned to a broad geographical area of the U.S. that ranges anywhere from zero in the northeast to nine in the west. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is why, like in California, you have nine zero two one zero and things like that. And in the what New York it? area, it all starts with a zero. With a zero. Yep. That's right. Um, I mean, I know in, in Michigan, it started with a four. What does it yep. start in, in, in uh, Georgia? Georgia's a three. Georgia's a three. Okay. It's All right. Region. Right. Because we're the southeast. Right. So the next two digits uh, talk about population concentrations and sectional cent- uh, centers that uh, that are used and that are in that area. And then the final two digits designate small post offices or postal codes in larger zone cities. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I actually found a website that explains every one of them, but we don't have time for that. And, you know, we talked about going off on tangents, but, you know, I, I just thought it was really interesting, the fact that he says she had the personality of a Kansas zip code, you know, so. What's great about it is you don't even have to think about it. It's one of those sort of funny lines, put downs that just works. Yes. You don't even have to think about it, you know. Kansas. A lot of people just think of Dorothy, Kansas, wheat fields, cornfields, nothing to see here. And so it's a uh, it's as boring as a zip code in Kansas. I mean, it's just his person. I mean, it's basically saying you're forgettable. Yes, but it's Nadia. Well, 
she hadn't grown up yet and learned Russian, so it, it, it won't take her that long. This was 1999. She, you know, she was on 24 two seasons, you know, two years later. Years later. Well, you can do a lot of changing in two years. That's true. Change your hair, you know. Get you can get indoctrinated by the wrong cells. Next thing you know, you want to betray your country. There you go. Makes sense. <laughs> got to fall in love with a guy, get him to leave his wife, or maybe, or not leave his wife, but almost leave his wife. You know, you got to do a lot of that in season one. Yeah, that's true. I, I always remember. I, I don't know if you ever saw this. They they had a spoof of Twenty Four. Like, what would have happened if if Twenty Four would take place in the early nineties? And they have a guy like walking around with this really huge cell phone. And, you know, he's trying to, to connect to the Internet. And, you know, you hear the screeching sounds of, of trying to connect a modem. Uh-huh. Stuff like that. It, it's just really funny. That's, that's hysterical. Yes. All right. Well, let's get to his explanation here. Because you're right. Right after he says, you know, personality of a Kansas zip code. Um, he's really trying to explain why you've got to find, like, the it factor. And. Have you heard that before about, you know, the, the it factor? People say that. I've heard it. I've heard it. I don't know if I really believe it, but I've heard it. Because well, I still think it's very subjective. It is, of course, to an extent. It's like trying to say, how do you gauge someone's personality? But we all know who's got a good one. In general, yeah. Right. I think the way Steve Martin describes it is so true. Uh, <clears throat> Because the difference between, let's say, doing a movie and a play, because a lot of times it's still the, the craft of acting. But one of the things I've always found interesting is when you're an actor on stage, you can't control where the audience is looking. The audience is out there. They can look anywhere they want on the stage. No matter who's talking, if they start getting boring, you can move your eyes somewhere else. The film director forces the audience to look at whatever he or she wants you to look at. That's right. And so because of that, every shot, needs to look compelling every shot needs to pop everything needs to look good you want and so the way he's describing it is it's that it factor how do i cast somebody that you just feel charismatically drawn to and it's a great explanation question is whether it's a explanation no i think it's a real now maybe every director might have a different way of approaching the it factor you know i but i think the way he's talking about it, and he's so sincere and ironically because Steve Martin is a good actor, the way he's delivering the lines of what it is to have the it factor could actually apply to the actor of Steve Martin playing the character of Bowfinger right now. Yes. You can't help but be drawn into this explanation because he is so serious about it. He's so – and not in a, in a, in a dour way, but – He's passionate about explaining you've got to find it, the thing that's going to make this person like you can't take your eyes off of them. Right. His, his mistake is he's explaining it to Slater, who, of course, wants to know if he's got it, too. <laughs> yeah. And he tells him that he does. But, you know, do, do we believe him or not? Oh, absolutely. This is what I'm talking about. He goes from super serious and is telling the absolute truth. This is what I'm looking for. And he's like, wow, well, I'm already in the movie. Does that mean I have it? The, the look on Steve Martin's face, that pause, it reminds me of how we all started the work week about whether or not he was going to tell the truth. He's like, mm, kind of walked myself into that one. What do I say? You know what? Yes. Yeah, sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. Because uh, we see, that's what, you know what? I, I love the writing because even if you're not behind the scenes, 
you know the joke's coming. You just sense the setup. And when it hits, Steve Martin, just the timing is just right on. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I like the way that he does, it, you know. But again, as, as you mentioned earlier today, you know, every day this week we've had, you know, Bowfinger having to stretch the truth <laughs> in order mm-hmm. to convince someone to do something. And it just shows how great he is at that. You know something? Look at, and th- I don't know if this is the way Steve Martin wanted to telegraph it or if as as the a character or if it's just the way Steve Martin as the person tends to do these kinds of characters. When he's giving the monologue, look at his eyes. They're intense. Yeah, I see it. They're, I see it. They're very, like, you can almost feel like they're just the weight of his gaze is on you. When the guy, when Slater stands up, looks at him and says, do I have it? He almost looks like he's in a trance. Like his eyes are dull. <laughs> he's lost all passion. He's like, I, I can't tell you the same sincerity that you have it, but I'm just going to say y- yes. You do. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's such a good choice. And again, if you're not, if you're watching this real time, you probably won't notice it as much, but when you slow it down and you and I are doing this and breaking it down, those choices, those little tiny choices that show up on screen just really sell the performance. Do, do you, I mean, we, we'll never know the real answer to this, but do you think that it's Steve Martin who decided to, to do it this way or that Frank Oz told him, this is what we want you to, this is what I want you to do? I don't know, because I think I've seen sort of that same mechanism on other roles that he's played where he's lying at one point and then he's telling the truth. He always kind of gets that little bit of a faraway look like, sure you are. You know, it's just and I just don't know if that's just his technique. Um, and you're right. I don't know if we'll ever know, it, but it does seem like something Steve Martin does very, very well to help the audience even to, to know, oh, he's lying here. <laughs> it's yes. obvious he's lying. <laughs> yeah, there's no question about that. <laughs> and then, of course, Slater, not not being the, the brightest bulb in the chandelier, he puffs up. He's got that sense of pride. He's like, I thought so. Like, yeah, boy. <laughs> the The question then is, is that, you know, if Bowfinger doesn't believe that he has it, so why does he want him? Obviously, he's cheap. Obviously, this, but he still wants to make the best movie that he can. So I, why, why use somebody, why, why use the excuse that you need to have someone who, you know, she didn't have it and you do, even though you don't necessarily. I think to be honest, um, it is. No, lie to me. Lie to me. Okay. Let me, let me, let me get this glaze over my face that nobody sees, but you, um, <laughs> I think this is also another one of those little inside jokes in Hollywood. If you've got, a quote-unquote sexy leading man or a sexy leading woman, that can sell tickets in and of itself even if you don't have a lot of talent. And I think he's got a guy that he feels like is, especially for a 90s flick, he's got your stereotypical, like, hot, young leading man. He may not be a very good actor, but it's an action movie. He doesn't have to be a good actor. He has to look good. And I don't think that he thought maybe the other girl had the look he wanted either. So... Yeah, he, he may be just dealing with the fact that he's got a pretty boy who's easy to just tell and go do something and he'll do it. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Makes sense to me. You convinced me. You did a good job of convincing that, that, me. I like the intense look in your eyes and, you know, you you were able to, to, to 
to convince me that 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 you're telling the truth. So yeah, I am. I I I am telling you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I I I do think. I say this a lot when I, t- I go to uh, uh, high schools a lot when they have either drama classes or film classes and stuff to talk about careers and like career day or, or being a guest, quote, in the field. And a lot of times I have to tell people that are actors, understand that the business in Hollywood isn't necessarily about finding the most talented person. I say because there's a, a certain look. There are producers who have certain uh, – they have certain tables and charts and expectations that say if you have this age range or if you have this look or if you have this kind of a scene or that kind of a scene, you're going to be guaranteed to get more audience and, and so forth. So it becomes almost formulaic. And okay. I said, so no matter how good you are, you can't act like you're six foot four and, you know, 240 pounds of nothing but sheer muscle. If you're five foot eight, you just can't. If they're looking for a six foot four leading man and you are the best actor in the room but you're no taller than tom cruise they may just overlook you that's not because you're a bad actor it's just because you don't have the look they're looking for so what was how did how did tom cruise Cruise get to get into (laughs) because tom cruise had the look no matter what and then now they just put him on apple crates and they never let anybody stand next to him correct (laughs) if you haven't seen this you gotta watch this and some i like the mission impossible movies especially early on I think it was, it was contractually in his in his um it was it was in his contractually contract. in his contract. <laughs> it was yeah it was it was a contractual obligation that if he stood in the scene unless he was in the foreground so you could hide how tall the actor was the other actor would have to sit and if you watch the choreography in multiple group scenes they're either away from him or they go to sit or there's a different tier so that way it never looks like he's the shortest person in the room. That, it's Hollywood. That's unbelievable. <laughs> it really is. What? Why? Why would you? We're watching Bowfinger. What in the world would make you find that unbelievable? The the stars that all think it's about them. They're gonna put these things in their contracts. I mean, it's. I gotta tell you, one of the. Oh, things I, I know that's do, the way it works. I'm not saying that, that, that's that's why there've been so many problems in Hollywood, you know, over the last hundred years. It, but that's a separate issue. Yeah. Egos and uh, yeah, egos definitely can get in the way. Yes. So uh, I I love how this transition and this is one of those few moments when you break a movie up a minute at a time where it's the perfect way to end this minute. They're obviously holding auditions. There's a knock at the door. He turns and <laughs> it's such a great line from an ingenue. We already met her, Daisy, getting off the bus stop. In your, ter- in your typical, I'm here to become a star. And she literally says, is this where I go to be a star? <laughs> like, there's only one location. <laughs> is this where I go to be a star? Uh, and apparently what- the answer is yes. <laughs> well, if you're by- well, if he likes you, maybe. He kicked Nadia out, so. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, just to give a little bit of a voice, she, she apparently will do anything to get the part or to get ahead in business in in the movie business careful you could use that phrase a lot of different ways i'm aware of that i (laughs) i knew that (laughs) so as we uh wind down the week i will say for me this has been such a fun week when you realize that we are sort of poking fun not necessarily in a mean way but we are definitely a a, a parody parody or a satirical way of 
making a little fun of the Hollywood model, of the Hollywood tropes, of how things are made and filmed, the lies that are told nonstop. You get the feeling that you never will get the truth from anybody in Hollywood. Yeah, I, I, I love the way they do this in this movie. You know, as as I mentioned to you at the beginning of the week, I mean, I've, I haven't seen this movie as many times as you have, uh, but every time that I see it, I enjoy it more and more because I, I can actually see clearly <laughs> what it is that they're they're trying to do here. Yeah, you know, I think the first mm-hmm. time I saw it, I think I was trying to take it too seriously. And I think that's why I didn't enjoy it as much. And then once I just started letting mm-hmm. it go and saying, okay, you know, what are they trying to tell me here? So you, you can see it. You can see that this is not as clear cut as one would think and or it's clear cut in, in what they're doing but it's not clear cut the story wise ironically like we said and because you brought up last action hero i think i felt the same way as you the first time i saw this as and it was the same sort of somewhat of a letdown when i saw last action hero because i didn't realize the kind of movie i was watching right. and when okay. you step back this is a kind of a satirical look where we're kind of poking fun at the industry, just like Last Action Hero is a really good flick when you realize they're kind of poking fun at the the action hero genre. Correct. And it suddenly becomes like, oh, I get it now. I, and and Last Action Hero, similar to this, and I know we mentioned it in the, earlier, very well done satires or or parodies, however you want to look at it. But uh, for me, it's 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 a satirical look at the industry. Yeah, completely. I agree with you. Maybe maybe Jim will will, will agree to do uh, Last Action Hero next time. Ooh, <laughs> that would be so much fun, Rob. Before uh, we start to wind down, what else do you have for this minute? Any notes that uh, we have not yet dove into? The, no, the only thing I wanted to, to mention is I I love uh, Bobby Bowfinger's shirt here. You know, it's just it looks like a Picasso. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A very, very, a lot of colors. Yes, very colorful. And and you'd think that that might be distracting for someone, uh, you know, that's at a casting call. Mm-hmm. You know, you you think again. I know you've you've been to casting calls, and I, I never have. But you would think that the people who are doing the casting are going to dress as conservatively as possible to not draw any attention to themselves. No, that's that's really not the case. No, nope. okay. Uh, I, I, I I told you I've never been that. So I don't know. so you're saying they do that on purpose? They want to see that that you can avoid no, getting I, distracted. I think they dress like they're like they want to make sure you realize they're in Hollywood and there's a sort of chic, a sort of ideal they want. And and ironically, I have gone to casting calls with with the micro budgets. And they're still trying to make you think that they're a multi-million-dollar production. I mean, it, it's like the show within the the casting call is watching the casting to try to sell the idea that we're for real, you know? Because someone might walk in that is really, really good, or maybe somebody that's been in a few things, and they don't want to make that person think that they're a cheesy operation. So they almost go too far the other way to try to make it look like, oh no. We're a real international film studio, you know, so. <laughs> Bowfinger international films, you know. Honestly, it's the game. You know how we hear that about the game in business or you you just got to play the game? It's part of the game in Hollywood. It's the yep. the casting crew, the actors, everybody that shows up. Everybody knows it's a game, but you still play it. Right. It's true. So, yeah, I have nothing else to, to, to say about it. This minute, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, fortunately, 
for the for listeners and unfortunately for me, there there wasn't much more to to call from here. But we we had enough to talk about this entire week. I don't I don't think uh, you know I, we we didn't even get get even close to the bare minimum. You know, Jim always says you know minimum of fifteen minutes. We we haven't even come close to being you know <laughs> no, anywhere near. No, that. we're <laughs> we tend to be on the other end, which is like okay, guys, wrap it up. Come on, we got it. We got another show to do here. Come on, come on. We got there's another group coming in here to book the stage. <laughs> so. <laughs> Of groups, let me go ahead and do this, folks. Uh, you know, I've mentioned as we've gone along that this is sort of a smorgasbord of sampling. For those of you who have been along since the very first minute, you already know that. But sometimes people, they just pop in because they may have seen it on my social media feed, Rob's social media feed. They may have stumbled across it from somebody else and said, well, I'll just kind of pop in and hear what they're talking about. Let me encourage you to not only go back and check out the early minutes and stick with us so you get a sampling. We are part of a group called Movies by Minutes. It's a group of people that have all come together from all different places over the Internet that like talking about movies and breaking them down one minute of screen time at a time. Although some have changed the rules around. Some are doing blocks of five. Some are doing DVD chapters, however. But it's moviesbyminutes.com is where you go, and you can get a look at all of the titles, all of the names of all of the groups, the franchises, everything. So take a second. Go check out moviesbyminutes.com. And listeners should also go and, and find this show on social media because we do have a listeners group. We want you to go to Welcome to Mindhead, the Bowfinger Minute Listener Center. That's on Facebook or if you're a Twitter person or you can do both on Twitter. It's Bowfinger Minute and I definitely want to go there. You know you can find the show. We've told you all week long. You can find it on where you find all your favorite podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. Um, you can visit BowfingerMinute.com. And, you know, if you have enjoyed yourself, take a second. It, it doesn't take long. You know, maybe share the episode on social media. Maybe subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes that drop. And if you really, really can give a few extra seconds, why not leave a review? That way it helps kind of put a spotlight and tells us how you enjoyed what you're hearing, what we're putting out every day. Right, Rob? Exactly. Being that it's Friday, we do want to do a quick shout out. You've heard the music that opens and closes every one of these episodes. For us, we chose not to do the karaoke version and sing along. We we already knew where our, where our talents were, and it wasn't behind the microphone singing. It was only talking. So we want to mention to you that Mr. Math is available on Spotify. He's the one who helped put that together. Mr. Math, check him out. Spotify, it's M-A-P-H, Mr. Math. And we really appreciate him working with Jim to create our opening and closing title song. With that, Rob, thank you once again for letting me be part of your week here and uh, making it a co-host week of the Bowfinger Minute. Come on, Alan. I told you, it's not my week. It was our week. That was it. I, I picked the week and then it, it morphed into a, a joint venture between the two of us. I, I don't think for a second that this is my week. This is our week. Thank you for agreeing to join with me and let everyone in the Movies by Minute community who's listening to this hear both of us, you know, talk about uh, Bowfinger. Well, if they've enjoyed this week, they've enjoyed our conversation, they enjoy what we're doing. Rob, you've got some Movies by Minutes projects. I think I've stepped in on just about all of them so far. So, so where far. can they go to learn about your projects? Yeah, I, I haven't decided to cut you out yet. You know, maybe we'll get there one of these days. I don't know. But uh, up until now, we, we've been doing fine. Yeah, so I do Movie Rob Minute. I'm right now currently uh, in the the middle of, of season four. Again, anyone who wants to... Uh, you know, find me, can find me very simply. It's moviewrobminutes.com, or you can find me on any podcatcher that you might be listening to this show on. 
just by looking up Movie Rob Minute. I'm right now in season four, which is the movie when Harry met Sally. I previously did Die Hard, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and The Great Escape. And in May, I'll be uh, continuing with season five, which will be uh, Die Hard 2. So anyone who's interested, you can come and listen to me there. Also, if you're if you're looking for, for a place to see movie reviews, so I have my WordPress site, which is moviewrob.wordpress.com. I have just about 10,000 movie reviews on there. So you can go take a look, look for some movies. If you find something that is not there that you think should be, you can let me know. I I probably can find time to to, to find a copy of whatever movie it is that, that seems to be missing. And, you know, I'll, I'll probably watch it and uh, give my review of it. Fantastic. Folks, if you've enjoyed this uh, as well, I did a Movies by Minutes with my buddy Walt Murray for a couple of seasons, uh, at least in the movie genre. We did it. It was called uh, The Wilder Ride because we were looking at the movies of Gene Wilder. And season one, we looked at the movie Young Frankenstein. Season two, Blazing Saddles. We changed it into a talk show. And I think it's pretty evergreen. You can go pick up any of those episodes and enjoy us talking about things that are going on, interviewing some really cool people for seasons three and four. If you're into news, and a lot of people aren't, but if you're into news, news talk, I actually do a daily news talk show. For, uh, news talk. Show. I do a daily news talk format show called The Alan Sanders Show. Just like everything else, just type in The Alan Sanders Show in your browser, and it will find all of the social media as well as all of the podcatchers that carry it. And with that, let me encourage you to come back Monday. There's going to be a brand new group of people, Rob, a brand new group taking this listenership forward. I don't know. Maybe people won't want to come back because we won't be there. I don't know. We, well, we might spoil that's, them. That's saying a lot about us. I, I'm not going to go that far yet. I don't – I think people, <laughs> turn, people are going to turn back to say, please tell me this gets better. It could be. That's fine too. Yeah, okay. I, 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 I'll give them that credit too. So if people do want to listen to us, you can find multiple uh, episodes on, on any of my four seasons – you know, with with me and Alan that we're we're talking. We did a week together on the Great Escape. We did a week on Planes, Trains, Automobiles, uh, Die Hard. We actually did I think eight episodes together. And when Harry met Sally, we we also have another eight episodes coming. So you know, you can you can listen to those. Alrighty, folks, it's been great. You all have a wonderful weekend. Come back Monday. In the meantime, keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it. Took out the children. I hope that we'll see you again. Cause there's always one more show. Cause there's Show. One more show.